Chapter 33. Extinct. On Monday in the swoof, Calvin is on the big couch, or in it, folded. He leans over his own legs, looks at the caves of Lascaux on his tablet. He shows me the pictures, animals. I see the black horse, the felines, then something else. Very big. I say, whoa, whoa, holy cow, what is that? Calvin says, well, it's a holy cow, sort of. It's called an aurox. It's like an ox or the ancestor to our cattle. But the, the aurox is extinct now. You know, gone forever. I get that. I tell Calvin, same thing happened to apples. Did you know? Some varieties are gone for good. Calvin says, really? He thinks. Then he says, that's a crying shame. I think it's nice how Calvin cares about apples. I say, but you know what? There's some they thought were gone, but turns out they're still around, like in really old orchards, and there's people trying to find them again, maybe bring them back again. Calvin says, well, good, they should. We look at the pictures of the aurochs. Starts me wondering if there could still be one last one, somewhere, anywhere. Calvin tells me how to spell it. Thought it might end with an X. I hear one, but it does not. I say, that's my favorite of all the cave animals, right there. I touch my sweaty finger on the ta tablet. Leave a smear on the aurochs. Calvin doesn't care. I don't know why I get such a feeling about that animal, but it's like he's me. Like, if he had to come to school, he would be the biggest thing in the hallway. Like me. And I feel I am like him, too. I feel just as huge. I even feel all red and brown. Not sure if someone could understand what I mean by that. It is from the inside to the outside. It is a strong part of me. Like I am full of heart and power. If I could meet the aurochs and touch him, I bet he would feel warm, too. Calvin is making a plan about the root cellar, knows what he wants to put on the pale walls and on the floor below our light shaft. I lean down, talk quiet to Calvin. I say, hey, can there be an aurochs? Can it be me who paints it? Calvin says, of course. He makes the big eyes, round nose holes. Then he nods, head and shoulders, like he's the big giant body of the aurochs, even though he is tiny Calvin Chomsky. I'm thinking of something to write. No one is using the dragon, so I move to the squatty desk and set up. Tissue ears and potato fists. I rest my head, close my eyes. I talk to the dragon. So, um, I went by there again, the tree fort, just walking Mooney Drinker home, seeing it does not get better. I pretty much know that now. But, um, there is something that does feel a little bit better about the rest of my life. It feels like there might be not as much bad luck all around me. Feels like it is turning, changing, or pushed back, like there might be some cave where that stays now. Things probably don't work like that, but my mind shows me it like a picture. The best is being busy doing work. Um, I mean with a friend. I think it is why I like being 
Suddenly, Anna Lissetta Yang is beside me. She yanks the tissue out from under my left ear. Her hands are curled, but they're quick. She lifts the headphone and says, Hop off, Mason. It's my turn to use the dragon. I'm on the schedule. I bang my knees on the underside of the desk. I'm trying to get out of her way. I know that I'm not on the schedule. I stand up. She moves right in. She rolls her crocodile over my foot. She says, oh, sorry. Sorry, Mason. I think she means that. Miss Bliney sees me getting up from the dragon. She says, oh, come talk to me now. Wait, did you remember to close out your profile, Mason? Anna Lissetta says, just did it for him. She's all settled in. Miss Bliney double checks that. She says, okay, but Mason, try to remember to close out for yourself. And Anna Lissetta, maybe next time you could give Mason a little more time to wrap up. Then she points to the lava lamp. She says, oh, cool. Giant mushroom, you guys. Don't miss it. I watch the red mushroom. Slow rise. It splits in two. Makes hot orange halves. Then I go around the bookcase. Sit down at Miss Bliney's desk. We talk about how things are going. She asks about home. I say, home is good. I'm thinking about the root cellar. I tell her Calvin Chumsky and I have a project, but I do not tell her what. I don't give up the root cellar, not even to Miss Bliney. She looks at the top of my head. She says, hmm, have you been painting something? Big teeth smile. I say, yes, I smile back. She says, awesome, you've got a good buddy in Calvin, don't you? I say, yep. I tell her Cal Calvin doesn't mind the things about me, not the sweat and the not reading stuff. He doesn't mind the way it is at the crumple down. I say, he's good at explaining. He looks up everything, does it on that tablet of his. She says, yes, I've noticed that. Calvin is quick on that tablet. And you know what else I'm hearing? She makes the giant smile right at me. She says, he's got a good friend in you too, Mason. Then she asks if Lieutenant Baird has been by. I tell her yes, but no. Then I explain about seeing him at the edge of the road on that perfectly good Sunday morning. My bad timing. Miss Bliney tilts her head and says, oh, okay. Hmm. Drums her fingers on her chin. I wonder if she's thinking what I'm thinking. If he hasn't come lately, he will come soon. Just like he said. I sit up all of a sudden. I say, Miss Bliney, could you help? I have got to print something off that dragon. She says, sure we can, right after Anna Lissetta finishes up. I think this. Good. I will have something for that notebook. Something for the lieutenant. Chapter 34. The Lieutenant. Tell you what. If you think on something, you can bring it right to you. Not always, but sometimes. And it might be something you don't even want. <clears throat> From the window of the bus, Calvin and I can see cruiser number 003, white with blue stripes, parked at the crumple down. So can Matt and Lance and Corey and everyone. Then the whole bus gets quiet, except for Lance. He says, ooh, the cops are at Buttface's house again. I slump in the seat next to Calvin. I whisper, I tell him, there won't be chasing today. No apple throwing. Not with the lieutenant there. <clears throat> Calvin whispers back. He says, 
I'll try not to be too disappointed. I say, bad thing though, you cannot stay while I talk to him, so can you make it on your own? He says, it's like you said, they won't chase me, not today. I'll wait on the porch in the mouse chair. When the coast is clear, I'll sneak down behind. I'll make sure no one sees me. You can meet me later. I nod. I says, I say, I know where. Then I sit in the kitchen with the black and white notebook in front of me. Orange pencil sticking out of my, out of a fold. And in that same fold, I put my papers from the dragon. Grandma looks at those. Just quick. Curious. Then she starts to clean. This is her thing to do while the lieutenant is here. She slides all her canisters forward. The toaster, too. National Public Radio is off. She drags a damp rag along the back of the kitchen countertop. The door has been shut on Shailene, but I've seen before that she cracks it, puts her eye or ear to the slot. Eavesdropping is what that is. Uncle Drum leans on the wall near the door. Mug of afternoon coffee in his hand. Lieutenant Baird has one, too. Paper cup. Both of them eye those dragon papers. The lieutenant says, So, what is this here, Mason? You're typing some of it now? I say, yeah. He says, well, I'm glad to see this. He picks up the papers. He reads pretty fast, but it seems long. I wait. I swallow. I dry my face on the shoulder of my shirt. He says, okay. Okay, it's a little rough. Not quite what I'm looking for. I think I know what he means. It is not enough about Benny. It's my story. I've not gotten to all of it yet. I don't think he'd be interested in the dragon, so I don't tell about how that is where the typing is done. He says, but this is more than you've given me before, in writing. This shows that you can do it. He's a little loud about saying that. Funny thing I'm thinking here. All my talking comes for the dragon. The lieutenant is opposite. He interrupts, is what he does. Then, my talking comes to a halt. He says, well... This is good. Very good. He pulls out his phone and takes pictures of my pages. He looks at me. You liked Benny and his dad's, huh? I say, I liked them a ton. I still do. He says, you did some chores there. Built some things together? I say, lots of times. I painted trim, helped build the rock wall. I always liked helping with. The lieutenant interrupts. Again. He says, Mason, do you know that you can still help Andy and Franklin? Makes my chest warm when I hear it. I say, I can? The lieutenant is nodding. I say, you mean work there? Like on the rock wall again? The nod turns to a head shake. No, he says. What they need is a different kind of help. They really need to know what happened to their boy Mason. And there goes the warm thing in my chest. Gone. And I feel stupid for not knowing this. The lieutenant wants help with his puzzle. The puzzle of how Benny died. I catch Grandma making thin, minnow eyes at the lieutenant. I don't think she likes the way he said that to me. She balls the dish rag under one set of finger bones. Uncle Drum stares into his mug. The lieutenant says, Now I know you say you found Benny at the bottom of the ladder, but what about just before that? You have something more to tell me about that. I know you do. I take a paper towel, blot my face. The towel sticks. I let it. Underneath that towel, I start to see ugly green. 
I think this. There is not more. I was eating my supper. The Kilmartins called to see if I knew where Benny was. I said I would check the tree fort. I ran back through the orchard and found him. I have said it all before. I can't do it again. I don't want to see Benny the way I saw him. <clears throat> His neck. Don't want to remember how it was to try to make him breathe. I know I did it wrong. No air going in. You shut your lips over. Breathe. It is supposed to work, but I know it was too late. I held Benny in my arms. Could feel it. His life was gone. I dragged the paper towel down my face. Just slow. I see pools of murky green. I wad the wet paper towel in my hands. I think about what I told Miss Bliney a long time ago. I said, I want to help the lieutenant. It seems like there is something I'm supposed to say that will put this puzzle together. Like magic words that write themselves in glitter spills. Something. Something to make him stop coming to me. She was drawing a swirl in the sand garden on her desk when I said that. She stopped still, looked at me. Serious face on, Miss Bliney said. Hey, Mason, I'm going to tell you something really important, okay? Her eyes on my eyes. Don't ever invent something for the lieutenant just because you think it'll make the questions stop. Only tell the truth, okay? Promise me. And I did promise her. Now, Lieutenant Baird says, Do you like to play jokes, Mason? Do you like to laugh? I breathe. I say, Well, you didn't ask me that before. Same thing now. I'm not that good at making up jokes. <clears throat> but I do like to laugh, yeah. Then I think this. Does anybody not like to laugh? Now Uncle Drum sneaks into the kitchen air. Just quiet, he says. Mason is right. We've been here before with all this. You've seen his pages, the writing. I don't think he has anything more to tell you, Lieutenant. Lieutenant Baird rises. Chair legs scuff the floor. He taps a finger on the notebook. He says, keep writing, Mason. I like that. Go ahead and type it out. Keep it all about your friend, Benny. Good job. Uncle Drum steps to one side to let him out the door. Grandma sets the dish rag in the sink. I wipe the paper towel back along my neck. I look at Uncle Drum. The green stuff thins down to just kind of washy. He says, you did fine. You always do. Chapter 35. One Stuck Window. Shailene bursts out of my old room. She says, whoa, thank God that cop is finally gone. For once, I agree with Shailene. I so need to pee, she groans, and I so need some fresh air. Man, close that door for too long and it gets stuffy. She fans her face. Hey, Mason, that window is stuck shut again. I say, yeah, most of our windows are. She makes bug eyes at me. She says, well, can you open it, please? Don't use that tone on Mason. He doesn't deserve it, Grandma says. But Shailene is gone into the bathroom. I'm off to Jimmy that window. The sooner she's happy, the sooner I can get outside. I want to catch up with Calvin. I stop to look around my old room. Shailene has transformed it in a bad way. Stuff everywhere. No place to set your feet down. The TV shopping channel is blabbering about some filigree necklaces. 18 karat gold. Whatever that means. I mumble back. How about some 18 turnip gold? 
some 18 rutabaga gold. Then I kick aside some brown pa uh, packing papers, step over a cardboard box and another. My foot lands on a sheet of bubble wrap. Pop, pop, pop. Bubbles. What is it about bubbles and clear stuff? Wasn't there something important going on that had to do with bubbles? This is what happens. Lieutenant Baird comes and my brain runs blank. I lose time. I scoot two boxes along the floor so I can get to that window. I look out and see the lieutenant's cruiser, number 003, rolling out onto Swaggerton Road. I think this. Good. He won't be back until the end of apple season. Bet you that. I try the window. Shailene is right. It sure is stuck. I turn my face to one side and grip the sash. I jiggle it, rock it, grunt at it. While I'm doing that, I see that unopened box. The one with Shailene's plastic saucer salad chiller in it. What a stupid thing that is. The picture shows it. Nothing but a huge plastic bowl. Who needs it? Ha! The window shoots up with a bang. Then it sticks there. I reach right down for the box with the salad thing in it. Scoop that up. Push it right out the window. Done. Just before Shailene sees, I walk toward her as she comes back in the room. I point my thumb behind me and I tell her, Got it. Got that window open. Then I point at the TV screen. Flick my finger at it. I say, Look at that. Some 18 carat filigree uh, neck chains. Look, Shailene. She looks. I slide by. I'm out of there. Chapter 36. Capping the Shaft. Calvin reaches both arms around the salad chiller bowl. Out of the box, he tells me, Mason, this is perfect. It's the cap for the shaft. I say, I knew it. Wasn't even looking for it, but then there it was. Calvin says, the universe is amazing. It knows what we want. And sometimes, just sometimes, it hands it right over like a gift. I think this. I'm not sure about the universe. Because, well, some things are gone. Bing, bang, boom. So then, what is there to say about the stuff the universe takes away? I try to think. What is the opposite of a gift? Well, we have this salad chiller bowl, and I guess Calvin is right. It is a pretty great gift. Calvin looks it over. So wide, it seems near as big as him. But everything is near as big as Calvin. Except for all the things that are just plain bigger. Thinking of the bowl as a gift makes my heart rest easy. I do feel bad for stealing from uh, off Shailene. Seems wrong on the one hand, but tell you what, she won't know it's gone. I dry my face on my shirt, then my hands on my pants. Calvin asks me, how did it go with the lieutenant? He asks this like he wishes he didn't have to ask it. I say, same as every time. I ask Calvin, you know why he comes? Calvin shows a little mouth twitch. He says, well, you kind of told me before. It's about Benny. I say, yeah, the lieutenant has questions for the investigation. He thinks I can help him because I was there, like before, and then after. I wait. Then I say, and Benny was my best friend. Guess you know that from the poems, and me talking about him. The lieutenant wants me to write it down. 
hard for me. I feel like I told him everything, as best I can. I might do better if he didn't interrupt. Calvin says, being interrupted is the worst. I say, yeah, it is. I don't know what more to say about it anyway, so at least now I can tell it to the dragon, and the dragon doesn't interrupt. Calvin nods. But we don't say more about Benny. No more about the lieutenant. We spy out the root cellar door. Coast is clear. We go up top and try that salad chiller bowl out. We set it upside down over the top of the tube. Doesn't sit so straight. Slips to a tilt, no matter what. Calvin thinks we need adhesive. I find some in the shed. Two tubes, both wrinkled up, split open and bone dry. I tell Calvin, Bishel's hardware will have it. I can pay for it. I have some dog-sitting money for Mrs. Drinker, and more coming after Columbus Day. So we leave that bowl sitting as best it sits. In the root cellar, the light shines down the shaft. Might be a little bit better than before because of the curve of that bowl. Not sure. But Calvin Chomsky smiles up at it. Nice clear cap for his light shaft.